Hello and welcome to episode 350 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm Ben Olson. That's Nathan Fox. Together we're the co-founders of LSATdemon.com and uh, hosts of LSAT Demon Daily. This uh, podcast will air on Monday, May 16th, 2022. The next registration deadline is for the August 2022 LSAT, and that is on Tuesday, June 28th. So you still have a good solid month and a couple weeks to make a decision about that. You don't need to decide until the last minute. Uh, just wait and see what your practice test scores are doing. We have uh, a cool class coming up. It's going to be with Rachel Gezersay. The class is How to Get a Law Job You Love. That will be on Saturday, May 21st at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register for that class by going to lsat.link forward slash Rachel. I'll be there. Yeah. Yep. That's going to be great. I'll be there. I'm going to host and um, hopefully learn something as well. I, uh, I'm not looking for a law job mercifully, but I have been um, led to understand that the book can be used for other stuff besides just hustling for a law job. It's a lot of the exercises in the beginning of the book I've noticed are about like just sort of deciding what you want in broader terms. Mm-hmm. and uh, some writing exercises and some thought experiments for, you know, what would you do if you could do anything type of thing. So yeah. um, I will be there to host. That's um, I had to reschedule my weekend warriors class. I normally, I teach a class at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific. It's a two or three hour class at 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, normally 11 Eastern normally, but I moved that one on the 21st. We're going to do it an hour earlier. So, um, weekend warriors will be at seven Pacific 10 Eastern and then Rachel's class at 10, uh, Pacific one Eastern. And all you need is a, uh, LSAT demon free account to go to Rachel's class. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. And you're, uh, shaking up your study group, which we talked about. It's now going to be focused on study plans. Correct, yeah. So, the class on the 19th, Thursday, May 19th, um, is going to be called One Hour LSAT. And the idea there is what are you good at? What are you bad at? When do you plan to take the official test? And we're going to make a study plan for you, uh, so that you can spend one high quality hour every day improving and working toward your goal. So that's on the Thursday, the 19th, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, all you need is an LSAT demon free account to come to my one hour LSAT class on May 19th. By the way, if you are a longtime listener of the show or even just joining us and you still haven't taken the first step to coming to Nathan's class and you have no good reason for not being there, um, just keep this thought in mind. Uh, education is entertainment until you do something about it. So stop being entertained and just come and start learning from the man himself. Well, Mr. all Fox. of our classes are action oriented, right? I mean, like yeah. we're sure it is entertainment, of course, but we don't want you to sit there passively. We want you to like take action and move forward. Well, I was talking about entertainment here. We're entertaining you on the the podcast. Yeah. And it's just entertainment until you take action on it. Yeah, I see. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Misunderstood. But (laughs) yeah. 
but the, the classes are action oriented. I mean, I, yeah. I'm that Rachel's class. I think you're going to have exercises to move your, you know, you, you should be making lists of things to do and action steps to make yourself better. If you come to my, um, one hour LSAT class, I think you should walk away with, okay, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like here's yep. my one hour of LSAT prep that I'm going to do tomorrow and the day after yep. that. And, uh, it, it really needs to be oriented, you know, like biased toward, like, let's take positive action in the direction that we want to go. That's, uh, that's what we're all about. Cool. What did we talk about on the show today? The biggest thing here was the ABA's announcement that they're going to consider removing the requirement that schools need to look at an LSAT or any sort of qualifying test in the admissions process. This news was really no news. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the, you know, our, our soundbite on this, or, you know, to just make the news real clear to all of y'all, we're yep. going to talk about this at length on the show, but law schools currently weight the LSAT somewhere between two and 10 times more heavily than they weight GPA. They do yep. that by choice. They don't do that because the ABA requires them to, they do that because it's useful to them. All the ABA is talking about doing is removing the requirement, but law schools love the LSAT. It's the number one determinant of where you're going to go and how much you're going to pay. This does not change that at all. It's just, it's like fake headlines, really shoddy journalism. And, um, you know, it's all just clickbait and not just not really news at all. Yeah. Cool. Um, before we go on to the show, I do want to say really quickly, if you're um, at a school that has a pre-law society and that pre-law society has a website, if you can get the LSAT demon on that website, we will give you 25% off the first month of any demons plan. We will do that too for anybody in your law society. Um, we're just trying to compete with the Kaplan's and the Princeton Reviews of the World who have gone around to all these pre-law societies and offered them deals on their websites. We just want to, you know, compete with them toe to toe. So if you want to learn more about that, go to lsat.link forward slash pre-law. Again, that's lsat.link forward slash pre-law. And then email us at help at lsatdemon.com once you get the LSAT demon on your website or your pre-law group's website, and we will help everyone out in your group. Yeah. One last announcement. We are hiring teachers in the fall. We're losing like a bunch of them are going to Yale and a bunch of them are going to Harvard and a bunch of them are going all over the other other schools. But uh, we rely on our podcast listeners and our LSAT Demon students to score in the 99th percentile and then come to work for us for a while before you head off to Harvard and Stanford and Yale. Uh, you do need a 99th percentile score report and you need to send me a video of you teaching a logic game or you teaching your way through a logical reasoning question. You don't have to pretend that there's a class there. You just have to work your way through the question as if you were explaining it to someone. Um, it's a fine line there, <laughs> but, uh, just send in, um, to, to me, you can just send it directly. Nathan at lsatdemon.com. If you uh, have a 99th percentile score on record and would like to become part of the demon teaching core. Thanks. On to the show. We had some breaking news this past week about the ABA eliminating the LSAT. 
you you ready to uh, deal with the fallout of of the uh, LSAT going away? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, boy, that the internet sure made it seem like that's what's happening, huh? Yep, <laughs> that's what we saw. The ABA gets rid of the LSAT. Well, it started. Uh, the first thing I saw was a tweet, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. name anybody, but it was breaking news. ABA to, re, you know, eliminate LSAT requirement or something like that. And maybe it is technically correct. I mean, it's a shorthand for sure, because the, mm-hmm. the actual news is a subcommittee of the ABA is recommending that they remove the requirement that law schools use an admissions test. Not the LSAT specifically. The LSAT is, of course, the main one, but there it's a it's a recommendation that the ABA remove the requirement of law schools to use an admissions test. So they no longer have to use if this no committee's recommendation. They're no yeah. longer required. We're removing a necessary condition. Yeah. Okay. It used to be all ABA accredited schools must use an admissions test that requirement let's let's just say that this has actually happened that the aba will follow the recommendation from their own committee but it hasn't and a lot of recommendations in committees die right so it doesn't most most die right so (laughs) putting that issue aside that this is a recommendation from a committee that might not ever actually be implemented but if it did yep get implemented I don't think it would change anything because the truth is law schools, according to their publicly available index formulas, weight LSAT somewhere between two and 10 times as heavily as they weight GPA and GPA is the next best thing they have. So LSAT and GPA trumps everything else in law school admissions. LSAT trumps GPA even astronomically (laughs) yes between two and ten times or maybe for rough shorthand we could just say five times on average roughly most schools Mm -hmm. on average five times (laughs) Mm -hmm. wait the hell they they put in five lsats for every one gpa yep when they're doing their admissions soup yep okay they don't do that because they're required to nope the requirement doesn't say you guys need to super heavily lean on this admissions test. The requirement says you have to you have to consider it, have an admissions test. Yep. So why do law schools, I mean, law schools voluntarily weight LSAT dramatically more heavily than they weight GPA. We should get into Kyle's email actually, because Kyle's email, I think does a pretty good job of kind of, given some background about the LSAT. Okay. So this is Kyle McEntee's email. Kyle McEntee works for LSAC. We've had him on the show recently. He's the former founder of Law School Transparency. The subject of this email is ABA update and LSAC's commitment to legal education. And uh, should we just read all of I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind reading it. And if you can remind me, Maybe I'll read the whole thing. Okay. Think we could do that? Sure. Go for it. I'm going to try not to comment. Okay. (laughs) That's not going to happen. I know. (laughs) 
As you may have seen, a strategic review committee established by the Council of the ABA Section of Legal Education and Admissions to the Bar has recommended proposed changes to the Council's standards that would allow test-optional policies for law school admission. The committee's recommendation is a first step in a lengthy process. The recommendation will now be considered by the ABA Council. If adopted, the proposed changes will be published for notice and comment. Oh, the Council would God. then... <laughs> the council right. would then review input and make additional changes before deciding whether to send a final proposal to the ABA House of Delegates for consideration. Whether or not this recommendation is ultimately adopted, the LSAT will continue to provide important benefits to individuals interested in pursuing legal education. And now we have one, two, three, four, five bullets. Again, this is from Kyle McEntee over at Law School Admission Council. And uh, this is five bullet points for, according to Law School Admission Council, how the LSAT provides important benefits to individuals interested in pursuing legal education, which, by the way, to be clear, if the recommendation is adopted, it does not tell law schools they can't use the LSAT. It tells them that they don't have to use the LSAT. That's all that's happening here. That's th this whole <laughs> back and forth is just but about they love whether the or not LSAT. this requirement <laughs> you know, this is like, it's, it's like, it, Ben, it's like, if I was like, you know what, Ben, you are no longer required to drink water. That's, I thought you were, I, was, I thought you were going to say eat, but yeah, you don't have or to eat, eat anymore. Cream. You don't have to <laughs> drink water anymore. It's not required. Nope, I'm not going to require it of you. It's like, oh, thanks, buddy. I think I will. I'm going to probably continue to do that. You know, yep. um, like Ben, you don't have to yeah, eat ice cream. All right, cool. But I still will, though. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> um, Provides lots of benefits in my pursuit of happiness. It's worth it for me. Yeah. Um, OK, so here's five reasons why. And, and we can consider these just to figure out whether, you know, we agree with Law School Admission Council on these five points. Yep. Studies consistently show the LSAT is the single most accurate predictor of law school success, and the predictive validity is consistent across all racial and ethnic groups. Studies further show that test-optional policies do not improve diversity and may actually work against minoritized students. Two of those items are linked. The study on law school success, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't actually... Um, read this one, but the impact of GPA first admissions policies by Gregory Camilli, Camilli. Okay. I mean, at a glance looks legit. I would have to read through and think about it, but yeah, I mean, and anyone can get their data from anywhere, but the point is, is that you have to recognize that even if there are problems with the LSAT and it hurts some groups, the question isn't, does it hurt some groups? The question is, does it hurt some groups more or less than other alternatives? That's, that's the question. And I think the LSAC is arguing here, it hurts it less, it helps more than other alternatives. We can dig into those arguments uh, more deeply. Um, I'll, I'll give that a read and maybe we'll talk about it on a future episode. I, I do, that seems like a very interesting idea for a very interesting area to talk about. Sure. Okay. Bullet point number two, 
The LSAT is currently the only standardized assessment accepted by all ABA accredited law schools. And we have heard from a number of schools that they intend to continue using the LSAT because of the valuable insights and information it provides as part of their overall admission process. Sorry to Kyle, but we have to do our LSAT teacher mode on this a little bit, don't we? Yeah, a couple of things. So you've heard from a number of schools. What about most schools? What do most schools think? Yeah, a, what do schools when you think see a now? number? Yeah. <laughs> when you see a number, it invites the question, what's the number? Yep. Three. Like how many? Because one's a number, two's a number. Yep. Three's a number. All 200 or whatever it is of the ABA accredited schools is also a number. Mm -hmm. So that is vague, I'm sure intentionally so. And, uh, but all the, so he, he did use all earlier. It's the only assessment accepted by all ABA accredited schools. So again, ABA schools are not required to use the LSAT. They're required to use an admissions test. Mm -hmm. All ABA schools accept the LSAT. Some also now accept the GRE. Yep. Maybe they'll start considering other tests or maybe, yeah, I mean, the alternative is to just not use any test at all, which they're going to no longer be required to do, but they, they weight it very heavily. So like, you know, we're attacking the a number thing, but, um, I, I think we probably are, are agree that law schools will continue to use the LSAT. Yeah. The evidence provided here is. I'm sure 100% accurate. It's he heard from a number, they've heard from a number of schools, but I actually agree. Even though it's weak evidence, I think that it's supporting a, a, a point that is supported by other evidence that's even stronger. Oh, yeah. And it stands up to intuition as well. I mean, mm -hmm. if they're weighting the LSAT so heavily, yep. they, they're doing that because they think it's useful to them. Okay, bullet point number three, the LSAT provides applicants with useful information on their preparedness for law school, the greatest flexibility on where to apply, and the greatest opportunities in terms of admission and financial aid. Okay, so this is, it's getting into a bit of like a sales pitch. A little grandiose language here, but I actually agree with the sentiment. The LSAT is an alignment tool, right? You take that test, it does a good job of telling you, the applicant, where you and the law school where you two might meet, right? It's like a dating app and it's, it's, it's lining people up who are probably good matches. As far as the greatest flexibility on where to apply, that's because every ABA school accepts the LSAT as the yeah. admissions test. But if we sure. got rid of the requirement that they even have any admissions test, then maybe some schools go admission test optional, at which point, the LSAT no longer gives you flexibility on where to apply. You just apply wherever. I would but if be, some schools still require the LSAT, bet. then you just have to take the LSAT anyway. Yeah, I would bet though. I would bet the vast, vast majority will keep the test, if not all of them. Yeah. Well, they use it right now as their number one. Yeah. <laughs> it's their go-to. It's their favorite metric. It's not perfect. Yeah. It's just their favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not perfect. It's just the one that they like the best and the one that they rely on the most. Sorry, for some reason, this is reminding me of dating stuff. But um, I do remember this economist wrote this paper about how 
if it if you give up too easily in the dating process not give up if you if you settle too easily right you may end up with someone you're not happy with but if you demand perfection you're never going to find anybody right so the test is is probably one of the best options out there that they have and therefore or it is the best option i've ha- taken I had it. the book in my hand where some economists went in and studied essentially that like assuming that i mean of course it's making the assumption that relationships are forever which Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Big foundational assumption, but it, it's like they arrived at a number, like mm. they mathematically proved it, mm. where it was like, take the total number of um, people that you think you're going to meet that are dating possibilities, mm. and then you have to say no. It's like you. you what was it? Oh, I forget what the analysis because it was like it's always just yes or no, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, but it was like, you have to go through a certain number, then pick the next one that's better than all the previous ones. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. And there's some mathematical proof of that. And that's for, I guess that applies to any permanent thing. So house hunting, you know, or like mm. anything that's like sort of a long-term Ooh, jobs, yeah. careers, yeah. I, actually, I've been thinking about that recently when it comes to making choices for, yeah, like a house or something like you have to look at a certain number. Do you remember if it was in the 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 teens or like the single digits? I mean, it may not actually be that big of a number, right? It could be no, as it was small a as percent. like six or I think it was like a percent because it was like, think about how many you're 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 likely to reasonably actually encounter or whatever. And mm. then it was like, well, OK, so you've got to compare. It's basically like. 37% to get you a sample. And then mm. it's the next best one that beats all of them. Okay. Interesting. But that's only for, for the, for the type of decision though, where you have to say no permanently. Anyway, whatever this side thing. Okay. Um, let's, let's continue through Kyle. <laughs> good, <laughs> good job reading the whole thing. Um, yeah. Okay. Bullet point number four. Our member law schools have been working with the LSAT for many years and understand how to use it as a powerful tool and as one factor in their holistic admission process. <laughs> okay. The LSAT yeah. gives individuals the opportunity to demonstrate their skills and earn consideration they may otherwise not receive due to lack of opportunity. And I, I, I personally agree with that. Again, I mean, we were talking about this, maybe it was on the daily that we were talking about this, but like, I wouldn't be in this discussion. My opinions on these matters would never have been relevant if it were not for the LSAT to begin with. And I, cause I, I, my parents didn't go to college. I got really bad undergraduate grades. I would never have gone to law school if it weren't for the LSAT. You know, so if you think that my voice, is, maybe, and other, some people are like, oh, well, boy, that would have been great <laughs> to not have him here. <laughs> but if you think that my voice is interesting or that I'm adding anything to this conversation, you know, if you want my brain working on this issue, well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this test. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and that's not perfect. I know. Trust me. But like it, it does give people who have a certain kind of horsepower it's like it's a flag it's like oh whoa okay hey look at that guy though (laughs) like he came from nowhere got really bad college grades he doesn't look like he's shit 
but then just like knock the LSAT out of the park. Like, whoa, well, he's got something on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, for better, for worse. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the holistic admission process thing, I mean, uh, the, I, they seem the to really highly kinda, skewed holistic process. Yeah. Like, right. It is holistic. <laughs> it's just that, you know, like, uh, the main ingredient is LSAT. Yep. And, and, and again, I just, <laughs> yes, it is a holistic process. Yes. They do look at all these other factors, but the center of the plate is the LSAT. And they do that by choice. They're not doing that because they're required to. They do that because they have chosen this as the anchor of their holistic admission process. Yeah. I I was just thinking about this as we were reading it. Um, you know, there are a bunch of people who help people get into law school and they have different tools for helping them get into law school. And I think it's just kind of fortunate that we happen to be people who chose to work on the LSAT because the LSAT is the main ingredient. And we're not saying that because we teach the LSAT. We're saying that because the data is showing that. And so we just got kind of lucky. I guess that's all. Exactly. Yeah. No, we are specialists in the thing that matters the most by far. And we didn't know that. I didn't know that before I got involved. I just liked the LSAT. And started helping people with the LSAT. If you had asked me even three weeks ago, I would have said, well, LSAT and GPA, they're about the same. (laughs) Right. That was three weeks ago. We've been doing this for 15 years. And before we made the scholarship (laughs) estimator, we didn't didn't really realize how LSAT and GPA trumped everything else. Like we thought that all this other bullshit really mattered until we realized that we can predict not only where you're going to get in, but what kind of scholarship offers you're going to get based just on your LSAT and GPA, all that other shit in the holistic admission process. I'm not saying you don't, obviously you have to do it. It is required. You have to, you don't want to fuck it up, but we've seen so many personal statements that we know that almost all personal statements are complete garbage anyway. Yeah. So like it, it just like, it's a, it's a, it's a hoop to jump through. It's a thing that you have to do, but does it matter that much? When law schools have index formulas, so this I I return to this idea. I think that this idea is incredibly important. It's yeah. it's really really instructive. Yeah, they love numbers because numbers are what help them more easily sort through thousands of applications. They have thousands of applications. They have to find a good way of sorting through these thousands of applications, and they. They like numbers so much that they don't even deal with LSAT and GPA separately. They combine them into one number, your Mm -hmm. index number, because Mm -hmm. then they can just sort by that column in the spreadsheet. Yep. (laughs) Sort by index and And start at the top and then look at the personal statement, letters of recommendation, all that other shit. Go ahead. Oh, I I was going to say is as they sort that too, they can, they can decide exactly how much they want to, to weigh the LSAT and GPA it, just with a oh, tweak. These tweak formulas of a button, I'm right? sure like, have oh. evolved over time. Yeah. You know, they tweak it every year to try to fine tune it and get the perfect balance of LSAT <laughs> to GPA. And law schools have told us by their actions and by the data that they report publicly 
that they weight LSAT somewhere between two and 10 times as heavily as they weight GPA. And all the other stuff, you know, matters maybe at the margins. Yep. We're not saying to ignore GPA. If you are in an undergrad program right now, make your GPA oh, your highest priority. But that's, that's still, unfortunately, only going to move the needle so much once you apply. Yeah. It's LSAT, <laughs> then far down the list, GPA, then far then down the far, list, all these yeah. other things that you have to tick off, boxes that you have to tick off. Yep. Anyway, uh, last bullet, the LSAT, along with other assessment services and preparation tools, complement the many other resources we provide for individuals interested in legal education, such as, uh, then he just lists a whole bunch of service. That's not, that's kind of weird because that doesn't really have anything to do with why the LSAT provides benefits. <laughs> it seems like a sales pitch. In That's the, the LSAC provide. I mean, this is all LSAC's other stuff. Okay. So there's links yeah. to all their other things, plus program, law hub, law school forums, uh, on and on There's a list litany of 15 yeah. things that LSAC does. Um, we recently updated this website, which provides more information about the advantages, the advantages of the LSAT. We got a link for that. Mm hmm. And includes a digital brochure, which you and your colleagues may find of interest. Oh, yeah, because this came out uh, to us uh, as LSAT professionals. Yep. That's from Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Really appreciate that. All those links, I think, are helpful to students. We can yep. publish those in the show notes. Yep. Anything more on Kyle's email? Anything more on this I think the, the big takeaway here is the ABA said we're considering making the test optional, the LSAT or really any test optional. And we're saying, I think that's highly, highly unlikely to happen. I laughed when you read the notice and comment period, because that just took me back to law school when they talked about notice and comment, right? For agencies, it's just a nightmare. You're seeking advice from the public at large about something you want to do. It just stymies any sort of progress. So is this likely to happen? No. But even if it does, does that mean the LSAT will go away? No, because the LSAT is loved by the law schools. The law schools love the LSAT and they're not totally irrational for loving it. So nothing's going to happen. The real headline should have been. Be made. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the LSAT, if you had to like gun to my head, does mm. the LSAT make law school more or less egalitarian? Mm -hmm. It The LSAT makes it more egalitarian. On balance, despite its problems. Yeah. yeah. Big problems. Gun, gun to but my head? Yes. I would not be in this conversation if it were not for the LSAT. So the LSAT makes things more egalitarian. So like they can publish, the, you know, they can put this up for notice and comment. But again, it's like the, the biggest problem with all of this, Ben, is mm. the fucking fake news world that we live in. Where yeah, the clickbait, technically the clickbait accurate, but and misleading. The fake headlines are just yeah. totally misleading. Like, it's just, you know, legal journalists, you should, come on, do better. Like, are you not ashamed of yourself putting out things like LSAT is going away? Like you're, you're writing these articles that, that make it look like the LSAT is not going to be a thing anymore. That's just not, that's not what's happening here at all. They're yeah. 
How many people are not studying for the test now waiting for this to happen? A certain percentage. Oh, no. I mean, right. We saw this. We saw this on like YouTube comments and just random Instagram comments. Like I don't really use social media, but our team forwarded us some stuff of people just like celebrating. Oh, great. I, I cool boy. The, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been worried about the LSAT. Now I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> it's like, what? The LSAT is here. This proposal hasn't even gone out for notice and comment yet, let alone been adopted. Yeah. And even more importantly than all of that, even if this proposal is adopted, all it does is it removes the requirement that law schools use the LSAT. Not you can't use the LSAT. <laughs> it's like it, it's like if you came to me and you're like, Nathan, you're not required to use your putter this round of golf. And I'm like, well, but I use my putter on every single hole. Not because I'm required to, but because it's useful to me. What are you telling me? I'm not required to use my putter. Noted. I didn't Thanks even know I was required to use my putter. Yeah. Oh, take away that requirement. Okay. Have a nice day. Doesn't yep. change anything. Who's that weirdo? <laughs> yeah. Maybe this has some effect at some real bottom feeding kinds of schools, you know, like the who want to stand are, out, but they're all they're doing is taking advantage of people who probably shouldn't be going to law school. Right. So the, the schools at the very, very bottom of the ABA accreditation, right. Or the, the, the super hyper low ranked 200th in the country or whatever schools that are already admitting people with really low LSAT anyway because they don't care about their rankings. Maybe it affects those schools, but boy, I don't think you want to go to those schools. It depresses me. All the fake news depresses me. <laughs> it's like, I see headlines and it's just like the headline doesn't match the fucking actual what? Yeah. It's just, all the disinformation out there. I mean, you know, mercifully I unsubscribe from everything. So I just don't have Twitter. Don't have Facebook. Don't have Instagram. Don't have any of it. I'm just not, I'm all, I'm out, but yep. I do manage our email feeds <laughs> and her email channels for the, for the agendas. And so then I get everybody just emails, which thank you. I appreciate when you email help at thinking Thank you. But like be a better consumer of news. Cause this shit is like, obviously not what it says it is. Anyway, pearls versus turds, Samuel, you got it. I got it. Hey, Ben and Nathan. I saw this bit of advice in the chat of one in one of Nathan's study group classes. Okay. So Samuel's in your free twice a month class happens every Thursday, right? At 4 PM Pacific, 7 PM Eastern. You know what? We're going to, we're going to tweak it a little bit. Um, I'm, okay. I like to change. I like to try different stuff. Uh, study group has been feeling slightly stale. So I'm going to start maybe offering more focused, targeted like it'll be a different topic but mm. i'm planning on still doing a free class every other thursday um of some stripe or another i, I think i'm gonna do the next one uh coming up on the 19th is that right of may uh, okay it, which is going to be focused on building an lsat study plan uh might as well shout out that exact date yeah thursday um the 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 
7 p.m. Eastern, I'm doing a class called One Hour LSAT. In that class, I will guide you toward your ideal study plan based on what you're good at, what you're bad at, and when you hope to take the official test. Um, so it's similar vibes, you know, it, a lot of, I, I do best in open Q and a kinds of conversations, but it'll, it'll be, this is going to have like a, a little more targeted goal version of that. Oh, and, uh, go to lsatdemon.com and sign up for a free account. If you'd like to come to that zoom, it'll be fun. Yep. Cool. Okay. So Nate or Samuel, sorry, is in one of your classes, one of these classes and someone's providing some advice in the chat, which happens all the time, by the way in our Zoom classes. And uh, Samuel says, I fail to see the logic behind this advice, but maybe I'm missing something. Here's the advice. You should not do any type of LSAT practice for the three days prior to your test. Okay? So you abstain from the LSAT for three days before the test. What do you think? Turd, probably. I mean, it's so absolute. I don't love the absoluteness. I don't love people love to latch on to timelines. If I've heard people do warm-up practice questions, just a couple before their official test. So that would violate this. I don't want people obsessing. I don't want people doing too much, right? Sometimes they try to squeeze in or cram. It's like, no, just keep doing what you're doing or don't do it. I, I don't care so much on the last couple days, but I also don't have a problem with someone doing that. Maybe they have anxiety about not doing something. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, that advice, if you're like really well prepared, sure. Yeah. Um, and if you're not really well prepared, then you probably shouldn't be taking the test anyway. But most people are going to take the test with some imperfections in their game, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I like the idea that we are lifelong students of the test, you know, mm -hmm. as teachers, we have to be students of the test, yep. but, um, our students need to be playing the long game and they need to be just students of the LSAT, especially because they're probably going to take it multiple times anyway. Yeah. It's just one more test in your line of tests and yeah. you're just continuing your same routine. The reason why this advice is a turd for sure is because if you do this, you're you're not treating the test as just another practice test. You're, you're treating the yeah, official you're LSAT giving it as something special as yeah. some special thing. So uh, don't give the test too much power. If you're going to take three days off prior to every practice test. Okay, well, fine. But why are you doing that? And giving um, up that time, giving yeah. yourself a lot of excuses, a lot of days off there in your <laughs> regimen, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I, I hate it for that reason. And just whatever you do, don't don't meticulously plan it down to every last detail in such a way that you're going to cause yourself stress. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting more excited about Demon 3.0 because hopefully this will resolve a lot of these questions because it will just say, do this. Do this. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Because. What happens is people don't know what to do sometimes, right? And so then they start thinking about these things. You don't need to think about it. Just just do what we tell you and you'll be fine. Yeah, I love I I keep going back to like my my yoga classes. When I'm home, I get to go to my yoga studio, which is like it's so great because it's like I just show up. <laughs> I just I just yes. get there. 
Yes. That's all I have to do. I get You there. know you have to do one thing. You yep. do that and everything else is taken care of. Yep. I get there. I say hi. I go sit down. I. That's it. And then I'm just on their bossing me around for a while. Yep. Yep. And that it's such a relief to just be bossed around and not have to. I, I don't have to think about it. I don't have no bargaining, no protesting, no trying to decide on the exact like I'll sit there. Oh, what video am I going to do if I'm going to do my own? Like, yeah, it's Should all, I do this. How long is it? Is it 30 minutes, take 45 minutes deciding what I'm going to do <laughs> yeah. instead of just like showing up and doing it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do do a little bit to take it back to Samuel's. Um, so, yeah, Demon 3.0 would be great if it removes some decision making from the process to take it back to to this uh, pearls versus turds. It's definitely a turd. Don't give any one official test so much power. It's just another practice test. So, you know, you feel like taking the day off beforehand. Fine. But yeah, forcing yourself to take three full days off. before That's no. Come on. I, I think it's a terrible tip. Well-meaning, yeah. but not good advice. Yep. The scoreboard on pearls versus turds is now what? 17 pearls. 61 turds or did no, you just bump that up? It. Okay, 60. 60 turds, 24 ties. If you have a pearls versus turds candidate, email help at thinkinglset.com. That will go straight to Nathan. So hate mail can go there as well. Um, you can find us on social at thinking LSAT. Cool. Beautiful. What's this next one? Um, this is from Anonymous. It says, Hi guys, I heard you talking today on demon daily episode 226 can you believe we're already up to 226 on the daily <laughs> yeah it's going fast feels like it was an idea yesterday yeah um, well see the demon daily is five times as uh frequent as yeah. the thinking lsat podcast so it's just like the lsat it's five times <laughs> more important than your gpa yeah Daily uh, episode 226 regarding LSAC's test-taking limits policies. I wanted to share that I successfully negotiated with LSAC to register for four tests this cycle. Ooh, interesting. However, I broke my shoulder a few weeks before what would have been my third test this cycle, and because the potential surgery date would have conflicted with my approved fourth test this cycle, and my fifth within the five-year rule, I was able to cancel and get full refunds for both. And so glad in retrospect that I was spared that April technical debacle because uh, the April administration had lots of website sure. issues. So now I plan to register for the first two tests next cycle. And yes, I can spend that test refund dough on more Demon Live in the meantime. <laughs> this is from a, one of our favorite students. Um, I'm glad she'll be back yeah. All this is to say that it's fairly straightforward to appeal the cycle limits, but even then be prepared for life to happen. It doesn't say how she negotiated for that. Fourth I, that's test. exactly what I was going to ask. Mm. It's like, what reason did you use to request a fourth test in this cycle? Other than the cycle limits are arbitrary and stupid. Cause I imagine that doesn't go over well when you say that. No, but I have a feeling that you don't have to give much of a reason yeah, my uh, I bet or, you know, like it just has to it has to give the appearance of being a good reason. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's like just I don't know. 
there is an appeals as soon as you hear that there is oh there is an appeals process oh they're okay. inviting you yeah <laughs> yeah it's like oh well then in that case um let me get my appeal ready well, so yeah i will say that lsac has come a long way from the days remember when like just like so long ago people would ask me in class this is 10 years ago 12 years ago they'd be like oh you know what i have this problem and so I need, I, I, I need this for the test, or I have this health issue, or I have this, you know, psychological evaluation. And I just was like, sorry, <laughs> good luck with that. They're not going to give you an exception for that. Um, but it seems like that's all different these days. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they also like removed the <laughs> limit entirely for yeah, a while. One point. Mm -hmm. So they seem kind of conflicted about whether they think this is a good idea or not. It's probably a policy made by committee and you got some people who think one thing and some other people who think another thing and then the committee changes and then their opinion on this whole issue changes. But I wish they would just make it simpler. This is on my, you know, LSAC wish list. It would be. I, I hate having to have these long conversations with people about the limits and the cycle reset and all that shit. Just say just make it like five times. Yep. Five times. Good luck. <laughs> Just period. <laughs> Lifetime, five times. That's it. Plus an appeals process. Yep. Fine. That's fine. That would be fine. Yep. If you do that, it just eliminates all this. God, it's just. <laughs> the strategizing. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Anyway, there is a appeals process. Email us back. This listener will hear this and she'll know that she could have shared more about her successful negotiation. I would love to know how you successfully negotiated to take it four times this cycle. You know, they, one way, one weird thing, Ben, they don't announce what the next cycle is ever going to be. Right. So like you can't really kind of plan anyway. They, they announce all the test administrations one cycle at a time. So like right now we have all the dates all the way out through next summer. But we didn't have those dates a few weeks ago. But right, a few weeks ago, we had none. Like we didn't even know when the August deadline was. <laughs> but now we have them all for the whole year. And yeah. that's the cycle. Yeah. And you're allowed to take it three times in that cycle. Yep. But if you took it before the cycle, or if you take it again after the cycle, then now you've got the five times in five years restriction to think about. Hmm. But within the cycle, it's three times. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for writing in. Uh, appreciate you. Hope your shoulder gets better. See you in class. Yep. Okay. So this is, uh, yeah, let's do a logical reasoning question. This is test 73, section four, question 12. If you have an LSAT demon free account, you can go follow along with us. You can just go into the demon, go to drill, and then go to the search page and search for this question, 73, section four, question 12. Yeah, hit pause on the podcast, do the question yourself. Yep. And then come back and listen. If you want to at that point, or you could read our explanation. <laughs> but um, in any case. Or watch a video, a video from Ben from 2016. <laughs> so there's lots of ways to get some help on this question, which is ultimately the point, right? Yep. One question at a time is where improvement on the LSAT comes from. So do your best on one question, get it right, and then move on. If you don't get it right or if you struggle at all, 
then get some help right now. Read some explanations, watch some videos, hit the ask button, get some help and make sure that you understand. I mean, yeah. I, students really don't get that. It's a, it's one of the most important lessons that I think really we should probably talk about on every show. It's like, I, I imagine we do, which is your job is really just to understand one more question. Yep. We got 10,000 of these things to work on. You don't have to do all 10,000 today. You can't, it's not possible to do all 10,000 today. You can't even do a thousand of them today. And you probably shouldn't try to do a hundred of them today. That'd be a full ass day of testing, right? That's a full yeah. test and review. That's a full yeah. day of prep. Yeah. And what you really always need to do, even if you are going to do a hundred, you have to start with one. So one question at a time and just make sure that you feel the click. The right answer is going to make perfect sense. The wrong answers are going to be obviously wrong. You feel good about it then you've learned something and you move on. Yeah. I'm going to read the question and okay. I'll let Ben react. So worldwide, more books were sold last year than in any previous year. Fairly straightforward. No reaction. Yeah. Just more. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah. So more books were sold last year than in any previous year. That's not surprising. We have more people on the planet, more people trying to write shit. And now we're wealthier. More books are are being sold, it doesn't actually say whether more types of books are being sold. Maybe it's just we're selling more of one book, but whatever it is, it's not surprising to see growth here because we're seeing growth in everything. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you did there where you kind of played with various interpretations of this already. Mm. You're like, well, what does this mean and what does it maybe not mean? Right. So the you went to the distribution idea where you're like, well, this this doesn't necessarily mean that it's a greater diversity of books. Yeah, it could be the same book. And it doesn't even mm -hmm. mean that it's a diversity of buyers because it could be one person and mm -hmm. one book. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this yeah. could be, you know, Bezos buying a billion copies of his own autobiography <laughs> to put himself number one on the bestseller list yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And not, also it could be that none of these books have ever been read. No, we haven't talked about that at all. Yep. <laughs> okay. We just know that books are selling more than yep. ever before. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. In particular, there were more cookbooks sold. Okay. So overall, more books have been sold and in particular, more cookbooks. So I don't know why that is, but this subset of books has seen a greater expansion than presumably at least some other um, subcategories. Okay. So good year for books, especially good year for cookbooks. For the first time ever, most of the cookbooks sold were not intended for beginners. Okay. So interesting phrase here for the first time ever, which means this has not happened before. So in the past, it says most of the cookbooks sold were not intended for beginners, which means in the past, at least half of the books were intended for beginners. That's no longer true. Good. Yeah. And it, it's important to parse through that to, to think about, okay, so this never happened before. 
that mm-hmm. most of the books were not for beginners. So yeah. this is the first time ever where most of the books aren't for beginners. So these books are being sold. They were intended not for beginners. They were intended for intermediates or advanced or expert. Cooks. Something else. Yeah. Okay. And in the past, um, half or more were intended for beginners. Yep. Real yeah. basic Betty Crocker, you know, yeah. follow this dumb recipe. Okay. Indeed, more cookbooks than ever were purchased by professional cooks. Uh, okay. So professional cooks are out there buying <laughs> more books than they did in the past. Don't know what to make of that, except they're buying more books. Okay. Um, we know that these books were intended not for beginners for the first time ever. Well, most of them. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. of the ones that were sold. And we also now know more cookbooks than ever being purchased by professional cooks. So it does seem like there's something going on here, right? Where there's like this move demand for professionalism, yeah. professional cooks and high level cooks buying higher level cookbooks and more of them. Okay. However, one of the few books available on every continent is a cookbook written for beginners entitled problem free cooking. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it sounds like this is some sort of, it's almost presented like a mystery, right? However, this is all this strange thing. There's this, there's this book, um, and it's one of the few books that's available on every continent, which I don't give a shit about because you could just have one book, one copy of that book on every continent. And now it's on every continent. Well, that's so weirdly specific too, right? Like on every continent. Antarctica. Any, right. So Antarctica is a continent. So this book is available on Antarctica. Well, what's Antarctica? Like a research station? Yeah. Now my dad did go down there I and know. work there. <laughs> so it is a thing, but we're not talking about a big community down there. It's a small community and great. They have one of these cookbooks. So what? It doesn't it certainly doesn't show mass sales well it doesn't show anything it shows that one of these books somehow miraculously made it to antarctica but who cares like it could be literally one copy on one shelf on each continent you know it's like that uh going to all 50 states sure do you ever know anybody who did that where they like i i knew a guy who he was on some trip to, I don't know, he, he was in St. Louis, let's say. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I've never been to Wisconsin, let's say. Yeah. And he like drove five hours or whatever it is. I, I'm getting it all wrong. I'm sure it's Midwest. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know the distances. But anyway, the, the punchline is he, he literally drove to the state line, got out of the car, put his foot on the ground got back in the car and drove. Yeah. You're like, congratulations. You've been to Wisconsin. Like (laughs) Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to go tell all your friends now? I've been to all 50 states. He did. I know about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind that that's kind of what's going on with this problem free cooking, right? Yeah. It's also, okay, sure. It's written for beginners. And I realize that, that most books uh, sold were not intended for beginners, 
Um, but that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a shitload of books that still were intended for beginners and were sold. So the fact that this one happened to get around everywhere and it was written for beginners to me is completely unsurprising. I'm just like, okay, there's one that exists out there that got to every continent. What that means, I don't know, but fine, whatever. Now, at the same time, I'm at the end of this argument and I don't see any actual argument here. Um, I'm at the end of this passage and I'm realizing it's just a bunch of facts. Like fact, 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 fact. It's like, okay, cool. The question says, which one of the following is most strongly supported by the information above? Okay. This is a supported question or simply put a must be true question. What has to be true given everything that they just told me? And I'm not surprised at all that they're asking me this because they just gave me a bunch of facts. And this is the most common question that seems to follow from that setup. Yep. Do you think that the correct answer is going to have anything to do with problem-free cooking? Eh, certainly could. I mean, I I actually don't necessarily favor one fact over another. I just kind of anticipate it to be a combination of a couple of these facts. Which ones? I don't know. Sometimes yeah. they like to distract me. Sometimes they, you know, with a fact that's kind of interesting. But right. But did problem-free cooking connect to anything? Not. I mean, the only thought it made me think is it guarantees that some books were for beginners. Well, what do you mean? Guarantees that some books were for beginners. Oh, uh, well, it just says available. Yeah, don't we know don't they know were that, sold. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. anyone has ever bought a copy of this book. And as yeah. far as I know, there's exactly seven copies of it. Yeah. One on each continent. So I guess what I'm saying is that I think, you know, it it's useful sometimes on this type of a question to just notice like, well, we have some facts that are kind of more powerful, like the very first one, more books sold last year than any previous year. Damn. Okay. So global book sales higher than ever, more cookbooks sold. This new thing about cookbooks for the first time ever, more of them being sold that aren't for beginners. You know, it's like all these facts that are like actually kind of useful are like big, like mean yeah. a thing on in real life. And that last thing is like, oh, whoa. So this problem-free cooking somehow made it to all the continents. So what? Yeah. I mean, it. so are you saying that it's unlikely to appear or have any impact on the correct answer? I think so, because it can't connect meaningfully to these other premises. True. At the same time, I guess I don't want to overthink it too much. Like, I just feel like I've seen answers where it says, oh, oh so at no, least... No, no. One book is available on every continent. Like, Don't oh, misunderstand. Yeah. Me. Yeah. The correct answer can be anything that's supported by these facts. All I'm saying is when I read these facts, I go that last line, I go, yeah, yeah. It just feels like that was some extra shit that they threw in there. That's like, yeah, that's a, that's a distraction. Like, mm-hmm. you know, don't tell me that it outsold. It. I don't know because I just, I'm noticing that it's not even about sales. And nope, all it's the just other about availability. About sales, yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. so I, I don't. Anyway. Okay. Let's go through these answers. One of them sure. we can prove. Yep. The other four we can't. A. Last year there were more cookbooks sold that were not intended for beginners than in any previous year. Um, I think this is actually true because I know that there were more books sold 
in particular, there were more cookbooks sold. So cookbooks, the number of cookbooks sold has increased, right? So that yep. that group has increased. And at the same time, the percentage of books not intended for beginners within that group has increased. It went from not being most to being most. So as long as everything is getting bigger, right, then the actual number is going to be getting bigger. Yeah. I, I was a little bit hesitant at first because I was like, okay, well, just because the percentage of books sold that were not intended for beginners went up doesn't mean that the actual number went up because if the group as a whole contracted, right, then you would have a problem, right? But I, I'm knowing from the first two sentences that that group did not contract. In fact, it expanded. So I think this is true. But I yeah, would the just, pie's getting bigger. Yeah. And books not intended for beginners is a bigger share than ever. So it's a bigger slice of a bigger pie than ever before. Yep. And you think A is proven by these facts. I agree. Mm, yeah. But let's take a look at the rest. B, the best-selling cookbook last year was a cookbook that was intended for beginners. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. So... They're hoping that because this problem-free cooking is on every continent, available right. on every continent, some people will wrongly assume that it was the best-selling book. And that that kind of gets <laughs> to my skepticism from before, right? Where it was like, you haven't done shit with this problem-free cooking. Mm -hmm. I know that it exists on the seven continents. I don't know that anybody has ever bought this thing at all. B, get out of here. Yep. If anything, the rest of the facts tend to suggest that the books that are selling the most are intended for not beginners. Uh, sorry, yes. are not intended for beginners. <laughs> well, you were right. They're intended yeah. for non-beginners. Yeah. Yeah. Good. They're not intended for beginners. C, sales of cookbooks intended for beginners were lower last year than in previous years. No, not necessarily. Because even though they make up a smaller percentage of the pie, the pie itself has gotten bigger. So. And the pie could have doubled or tripled or whatever. So a smaller piece of that pie could be more than they had gotten in the previous year. D, most of the cookbooks purchased last year that were not intended for beginners were purchased by professional cooks. I have no idea. Um, it says, indeed, more cookbooks than ever were purchased by professional cooks. So I know that the number of books that these professional cooks are buying has gone up, but it still could be a very small percentage and not most, not more than half. Yeah, that we know that 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 share of the pie is getting bigger, but it could still be one percent or something. Yep. We we yep. don't know that pro cooks are buying most of the books. E problem free cooking sold more copies last year than did any cookbook written for professional cooks. <laughs> I hope we put that one to rest. We don't. Yeah, we know don't know that it, it sold, sold even a single copy. And so yep. you're back to A. Yep. It is definitely else? it. No. All right, that's the answer. Cool. Be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. That all goes to Nathan. Questions about the LSAT demon? Email help at lsatdemon.com. That goes to our amazing help team, by the way, and they are super fast at responding. You can also check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 350 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you don't pay for law school.